Hey, hello, everybody. This is Christine. Welcome to this week's episode of Our Worthy Sode, where I will be talking about Mr. Gil Scott Heron. Let's get started. And welcome back, everybody. Hey, how's everyone doing? Um, so this is Worthy Sode. If you have not already guests, guessed, this episode is usually where Shelly and I will pick an artist of our choosing, obviously, and we will talk about their life and times. We'll talk about all of the progress that they've made in their lives. We'll talk about where they are today. And last week, Shelly took some time to tell you guys about Coco Taylor. And today I will be taking my time to tell you about Mr. Gil Scott Heron. Gil Scott Heron, born April 1st, 1949. He was an American soul and jazz poet. He was a musician. He was an author. He was known mainly for his work as a spoken word performer in the 70s and the 80s. And he had collaborative efforts with fellow musician Brian Jackson, featuring musical fusion of jazz, blues, and soul, as well as much lyrical content that concerned social and political issues at the time. If you listen to any of Gil Scott Heron's work, you will see that time has not changed much. Time has not changed much from the time that he was talking about all of the political and social issues um, until now, there are many, many items that he talks about that, you know, are still going on today, which is kind of ridiculous that with all of this time uh, between his performances and when he started and as he progressed up until now, not much has changed. It's a little sad, but you know, I guess that's life. Uh, I don't really know what else to call it. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, he delivered rap. He was essentially, he, he, okay, so he called himself a bluesologist. He defined it as being a scientist who is concerned with the origin of the blues. Now, I know that we talk about a lot of blues artists on this podcast. I know that Shelly loves the blues, and I know that we've discussed this on a few occasions, also on our um, our uh, special edition Black History Month episode. We discussed many blues artists as well as other genres of music. Um, but he considered himself a bluesologist. Most notable albums for him were Pieces of a Man and Winter in America. These were released in the early 1970s. They foreshadowed later music, later African-American music, such as hip-hop and neo-soul rap. He was considered to be the first MC slash rapper ever. He was born in Chicago, Illinois, of an opera singer and a Jamaican soccer player when he was 12. He moved, well, before he was 12, 
his parents separated and he had to move with his grandmother. Um, and then his grandmother passed away and he had to move back into the Bronx with his mother. He enrolled in a high school and was transferred into a more prestigious high school called the Fieldston School after impressing the hell out of the English department with one of his writings and earning a full scholarship because, you know, we smart out here. <laughs> he was only, he was one of five black students at this school. After he finished high school, he attended Lincoln University in Pennsylvania because his most important literary influence was an alumni there. That most important influence was Langston Hughes. Brian Jackson was someone that he met while he was there and they formed the band Black and Blues. Later on, he began recording um, his LP called Small Talk at 125th in Lexington. This was back in the 70s. Later that year, actually the next year, he recorded an album called Pieces of a Man, which used more controversial song structures, and a, and it was less of a loose kind of spoken word feel than Small Talk was. He played also later on in the 70s, early 80s, um, at a No Nukes concert at Madison Square Garden, which, if y'all know, Madison Square Garden is pretty much the venue to play at when you know you've made it. Um, he played there for a No Nukes concert. The concert was organized by the Musicians for United you, musicians united for safe energy to protest the use of nuclear energy following a little thing called the Three Mile Island Incident, which was a partial meltdown of a reactor at the Three Mile Island Nuclear Generating Station in Dauphin County, Pennsylvania. There was subsequent radiation leakage that occurred in 1979, and this was the most significant accident in the U.S. commercial nuclear power plant history. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, the government really has to get their shit together, but what can we do? We can't really control the government. They control us in a way. All right, Big Brother's listening. Get back on track, Christine. <laughs> All right. Skipping over into the 90s, Gil Scott Heron signed to TVT Records and released an album called Spirits. This album, um, this album included a track called Message to the Messengers. It was the first track on the album, and it criticized rap artists of the 90s. You know, as I said, Gil Scott Heron was considered to be the first MC and rapper ever. He had a lot of, he had a political stance that he rapped about, that he spoke about. He had spoken word tracks over beats and spoken word over beats is rap, you know, and that's pretty dope. He was a pioneer of that. Um, he was considered the godfather of rap and is widely considered to be one of the genre's founding fathers. One of, not the only one of. Given the political consciousness that lies in the foundations of his work, he can also be called the founder of political rap. Message to the Messengers was pretty much him telling the new generation of rappers to speak for change rather than perpetuating social current situations. At the time in the 90s, there were a lot of rappers that were talking about gangbanging and killing and, you know, 
that still occurs now. There are still, you know, gangs going around killing people. There are still rappers talking about that. There are still rappers talking about drug use. There are still rappers talking about women in a derogatory sense. And what Gil Scott Heron wanted to do was influence those hip-hop artists in the 90s and above to talk about themselves to talk about to 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 promote change essentially that's what he wanted he didn't really want the the current social status of blacks in america to be stagnant he wanted us to be better um so he also had an interview where he said this and i quote they need to study music I played in several bands before my career as a poet, and there's a big difference between putting words over some music and blending those same words into the music. There's not a lot of humor. They use a lot of slang and colloquisms. You know, you don't really see inside the person. Instead, you just get a lot of posturing. You're not really seeing the musician. This is the, well, that was the end of the quote. Um, He's talking about rappers back then. You're not really seeing the musician. You're just kind of seeing the front that they're putting on for everyone else. And he wanted to change that. He wanted to be the voice of change for that. Um, So moving on to the the 2000s, just as anyone else, any other human in this world, Gil Scott Heron is not innocent. He was sentenced to jail for one to three years uh, for drug possession uh, because, you know, artist life I guess you have to sometimes in certain situations have to do drugs in order to be able to keep going uh but if you listened to our last episode with Brian Pina he said um something to the effect of you know drugs are only so good but you can't when you can't do what you need to do anymore then you know drugs aren't really effective i'm pretty sure he said something different but this that was what i took out of it um so yeah he was in prison for a few years uh but while in jail obviously you can't stop somebody that's bet on working hard and doing what they do he appeared on a black alicious album called blazing arrow After he was released on parole, BBC TV broadcasted a documentary called Gil Scott Heron, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. He was later arrested again, and he was in and out of jail for a few years, and in 2007, he was released on parole. And after this release, he began performing live again. He had various shows in um, New York City. He was also booked in 2010 to perform in Tel Aviv, Israel. And this attracted criticism from pro-Palestine activists. And they said, your performance in Israel would be equivalent to having performed in Sun City during South Africa's apartheid era. We hope that you won't play apartheid Israel. And Gil Scott Heron responded by canceling that concert. Respectfully so. He later released an album called I'm New Here on an independent label called XL Recordings in 2010. And in 2011, there was a release of a remixed version of his album, We're New Here. And this is featuring the production by English musician Jamie XX, who reworked the material from the original album and made it their own. Um, And yeah, so after that, uh, Gil Scott Heron passed away. 
it was confirmed that he had been living with HIV for several years and he had passed away after a European tour after developing pneumonia. But we are here to talk about his legacy and all of the things that he did and all of the ways that he was able to influence rap as a whole from the content to the performance. So thank you. Thank you so much, Gil Scott Heron, for your legacy. Thank you for being the voice of a revolution. And with that, I will be signing off. But before I go, be sure to be on the lookout for our next noteworthy episode. Who will we be interviewing? You shall shortly see. And with that, remember, when words fail, music speaks. Athena, come say bye. (laughs) 